the Body Confidence Talk Show with Denise Cardenas. So welcome to the Body Confidence Talk Show. I am so excited to have a very special guest with me, Debbie Seraphim. I hope I pronounced that right. You, per you pronounced it perfectly. Perfectly. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here. Um, thank you so much for being here. You know, Debbie is a body relationship coach. Um, after struggling for many years with an eating disorder, Debbie now helps women of all shapes and sizes make peace with their body and build up their immunity to diet culture. Mm -hmm. I love uh, that. Thank you. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I wanted to make sure I share that because as you know, this is so brand new to me and just hearing diet culture, that's even a new term for me. It's crazy. What's crazy to me is before I started in this work, I didn't know that diet culture existed. Before I started in this work, I was very much a part of diet culture. Mm -hmm. um, and I think discovering this space is was sort of, it was what saved me, really. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, you know, diet culture... For those of you who don't know what diet culture is, I'll give a, I'll give a yes, quick explanation. Please, please. I, That's perfect. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming, you know, it, it was, it's, it is probably a new term for a lot of people. Um, the way I explain diet culture is diet culture is the moralization of self-care. And we've got all these different facets that we believe, you know, go into self-care. It's, it's, health and wellness is trying to be more inclusive. It's not just physical and, um, you know, food and exercise, it's emotional. It's all, it's, you know, holistically well-being. But when we moralize self-care, we put what we believe is the most important part of self-care first. And if somebody else's self-care doesn't necessarily align with that, we face judgment, right? And so um, diet culture sort of creates the illusion that if your priorities are in line, then your body is going to look a certain way, right? Because health and wellness and mental well-being, if you're doing it properly, you're spending, you know, you should, you should have the perfect balance of this much time at the gym, but this much time with meditation and this much time meal planning, but also this much time just enjoying yourself with friends. And the truth is, is that bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So again, it leaves us at this place to feel judged. Um, and I believe, you know, for years, I, I've, I've had different size bodies over the years, but when I was my smallest, I still thought I could be doing better. Um, because I thought it must be my priorities that are out of line. So diet culture is the moralization of self-care. Well, you know what, if you would have described it, that is not even what I thought it was, but <laughs> Thank you for breaking that down. I mean, yeah, it makes so much perfect sense. It's like, if you don't follow, you have to follow this in order to look like this. Is, is mm -hmm. that is that pretty much like? Pretty, you know, what, what I, what, okay, yes, it is. But what I like about what you said is that that's, essentially, that's the hidden message, right? The hidden message is if you're doing it right, you're going to look like this and that's how you'll know. But the truth is, is that you could be doing everything mm -hmm. according to plan and still you know different bodies are different shapes different people hold weight in different places some people right. are curvier some people are more round some people you know really struggle to gain weight or muscle all of these things and so if you put you know 100 people next to each other 
do, gave everybody the same amount of food, the same amount of exercise, the same amount of sleep, all the same sorts of things, we'd still have a hundred very different looking people. Mm. Um, and so, but, but I think what's, what's tricky about diet culture is that it's disguised as health and wellness. But what you said is if you do certain things, you'll look a certain way. That's always the underlying message. Mm. And I think that that is why people hurt so much. I think that's why there's so many eating disorders. I think that's why there are, you know, so many people perpetually feeling like they're doing it wrong. There's, there's a lot of room to feel like you're doing it wrong. Um, and if you're doing it wrong, who are you beating up for that? And you're probably beating yourself up for that. And that's not self-care. It's a giant, it's a conundrum. Can you see? <laughs> it totally <laughs> is. It, it's so interesting because self-care is like this new thing, self-love and so forth. But it's in like, I feel like it's coming out more like in commercials and like just kind of becoming more of this popular thing. But I feel like it's interesting how the diet culture is still in there. Oh, it's still very much, it's still very much in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even, even diet culture is in there, excuse me, in that if you're watching, um, you know, ads for different food products, regardless of whether you believe this food, food product is healthy or not, uh, most of the people in commercials are in smaller bodies, right? They want to create the illusion that this, this, this food can create this body type, right? This food is inclusive in self-care because this person is eating it. And again, bodies come in different shapes and sizes. You know, diet culture is woven into the cartoons our kids watch. They've gotten so much more diverse than when I was a child. I, I remember I was watching Alvin and the Chipmunks and I remember watching New Kids on the Block. And Oh, and Beetlejuice. I, but there was a cartoon, Beetlejuice. There was, yeah, there was a cartoon Beetlejuice. Yeah. I, those are the ones, those are the ones that I remember. My kids are watching far more diverse ones. They've got, you know, characters from different cultures and backgrounds. And, but, um, but again, the hero in the story is always in a smaller body and any character in a bigger body is always like the funny sidekick or the villain. Right. So right. again, it is sort of woven into the culture of good, good. And I know it's a podcast, so I'm going to say I'm doing air quotes because <laughs> I think they're really important. To right, know right, right. Quotes, good, good people, good people present a certain way. And so again, you have a lot of people feeling like they need to apologize for stuff that they're doing that has nothing to do with the type of person they are. Right. It's just, it's just, they don't present the way diet culture sort of creates that. You're so right on the good air quotes, right? Yeah, we will but be saying good with air quotes. Air just quotes just a assume lot. if you hear a good, it's got air quotes around. Yeah, it. exactly. You know, you're so right about that because I feel like when I was younger, like as a little child and like in my 20s, I was super skinny and I was, I would say like, oh, like I was praised for being skinny, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, it's the good thing, air quotes, right? It's it's good. It's good. But if you have a different body, you you have more weight, it's bad, right? Mm -hmm. It's bad. Mm -hmm. So you're so right, you know. That's something we're like brainwashed with. We are brainwashed with it. We we culturally we have we have equated thinness with health. Mm -hmm. And I was my least healthy in my entire life at my, at my smallest size. Absolutely. Um, I was starving myself. I stopped getting my period. I had a migraine that lasted like over six months. I mean, all, all of the, everything was wrong, but I was in a smaller body. 
Uh, I think that, again, creating this idea, this this moralization of self-care, it it hurts everyone when they're taking care of themselves. First of all, I remember going to a doctor. I hadn't, again, I was in the worst of my eating disorder. I had had a migraine for months. I'd stopped getting my period. Um, and I went to the doctor and they, you know, they did the MRIs and stuff like that. And they were like, well, let's just try some more medications. Nobody ever told me to eat. Like if I had eaten, I can guarantee you, because now if I go maybe an hour too long, I can start to feel a headache coming on. I'm like, I better get some food. I better get some food. Right, right. Um, but nobody told me to eat. I was considered another round of air quotes here, healthy because I was in a smaller body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, in, in, in turn to that, I have clients in bigger bodies who are going for actual real medical concerns and the doctor will say come back when you've dropped some weight come back and we'll talk about it and and so people in bigger bodies are being sent away with with medical conditions not being tended to because they're just being chalked up to oh they're fat that's their problem Um, and people in thinner bodies are being you know some of their medical issues are being overlooked because how could they possibly have any medical issues? They're thin. Um, and, and so really everybody, everybody hurts. Uh, nobody gets to win. I always, I always say in, in diet culture, we are all losers. So, um, so it's, I'm, I'm trying to create a space for you to step out of diet culture. So you get to not feel like a loser, at least for a few minutes in the day. Um, oh well wow that that is so wow just just telling me about that like where they wouldn't even consider telling you to eat like when when did this all start for you where you wanted to be thinner and not eat get to that to that point I um I mean I think I think it was written in the stars for me my mom is uh 72 she'll be 73 in April uh and to this day she still has an eating disorder so she raised my sister and I, while she had an eating disorder, both my sister and I just sort of learned it. It was, mm. it, there was, there was a definite dysfunctional relationship with food and, and it was being mirrored to us. I was put on my very first diet at the age of six, which kind of blows my mind because my daughter is seven and my son is five. Um, and they don't, I can't imagine putting them on a diet, but I was put on a diet at the age of six, uh, it was, we're going to air quote it again here, ready? It was a preventative diet that my mom put me on. She didn't want me to undergo the scrutiny she believed she had been under for her body. So she put me on a diet so that I would never have to do that, which of course started the cycle of, oh, there's good bodies and bad bodies and oh, I should restrict here and everything. So that by the time I was in high school, I had my very own full-fledged eating disorder. Mom couldn't call it hers anymore. It was definitely mine. Um, But I don't, I don't know I don't know that it had one specific thing. I think it was just taught to me for a very long time. I also think it's really important to note that, you know, oftentimes when I say I was put on my first diet at the age of six, people go, oh my gosh, at the age of six. But statistically speaking, age six is when girls start body shaming themselves. Age six is when girls start saying, oh, what's wrong with this and start doing the body checking in the mirror and all of that stuff. Again, it's really woven into the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that there, 
to me at this point with the way diet culture is so woven into everything we do, I'm more of a believer in most people probably have a dysfunctional relationship with food in their body. Again, this is not a, this is not a mark on them. It's not a moralization or anything like that. They're, they're good people, but there's not a lot of room to trust yourself and know that your body is okay. Again, because the world is judging you based on how you look. Even if you look the way the world wants you to, there's, there's a, you know, there's a, there's an expectation of upkeep and all of that. So, um, so I think it's, it's so woven in that my assumption, whatever I'm talking to someone is there's definitely there's, there's gotta be some feelings hidden in there, whether, whether they know it or not, there's some feelings in them. They might not be nearly as strong or nearly as, uh, dangerous as the feelings that I was experiencing as a child. So I'm not, not saying everybody out there has an eating disorder, but, right, right. but some of these thoughts, you know, the difference between an eating disorder and just disordered eating is really, in my opinion, the extreme to which you will go to quiet the voice that tells you you're not good enough. Um, and, and so I would go far enough as to not eat, but I know lots of women who won't go that far. That's too far. They'll just eat and then hate themselves. And one's really not that different, right? One's more, one's more, uh, self-harm and self, you know, mutilation, but it's, but they're not that different as far as the thought process. And so, uh, I think, I think most people have some feelings in their set. Like if, if you have, if you're listening and you're like, oh, have I ever, do I engage in diet culture? I would say if you've ever felt guilty for eating something, that would be, that's, that's a great indicator that, that diet culture was involved. If you've ever, uh, if you've ever felt like you needed to, uh, earn your vacation or save up or, uh, you know, be again, air quotes here, good on, on like leading up to a, leading up to a trip or a special event. That's diet culture. Uh, the, you know, I, I would say, oh, the, the guilt and shame that you feel around eat it's now diet culture is so complicated. If you go, if, uh, if you look at the holidays, there's, there's this again, self that there's this moralization of if you enjoy the holidays with your family, it looks like this and it looks like eating certain foods, but come January 1st, you should definitely atone for that because again, there's no, nobody gets to win, right? If you're, if you're being air quote here, good through the holidays, then you're withholding and not prioritizing love and family and celebration, but you also should atone for it. If you are engaging in all of those things, you should atone for it and make up for it and apologize and all of those things starting January 1st. So it's so, 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 so complicated. So if any of the stuff, that I'm saying sounds remotely like, Ooh, I thought that, or if you have ever heard yourself say, I should work out more, I should work out harder. Oh, I did. I went for a walk, but I really should fill in the blank. Um, walking isn't enough because fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Or I had one woman try to convince me she never exercised. And then I found out she was going to yoga three times a week. And <laughs> And I was like, yoga is exercise. And she's like, well, it's just stretching. (laughs) All of these things, this is diet culture, right? So if any of the stuff that I'm saying sounds familiar, then you have been impacted by diet culture. That's okay. It doesn't make, can I swear here? It doesn't make you an asshole. Um, 
Does it oh, make you an asshole? Oh my uh, gosh. We're all impacted by diet culture. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so interesting you mentioned that because the more research I've been doing since starting this podcast, I've been realizing, I was like, oh my God, that is so me. Like my relationship with food and any little thing. Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad you mentioned this because I've always felt, well, I haven't gone to the extreme of saying, you know, harming myself, mm-hmm. but I can remember throughout my whole life getting to the point I'm not going to eat that and I was mm-hmm. at my skinniest mm-hmm. skinniest ever like I even remember grabbing my stomach and I felt I was fat because I was able to grab my stomach and if you see my pictures I'm like skin and bone like it's it's so crazy and I just thought like oh yeah but of course I love food so I couldn't get to that extreme mm-hmm. But I know I do have a like not a good relationship with food. Well, let's just say again, I think yeah. everybody culturally is taught to have, I think as babies, we are born knowing our hunger cues, a baby cries. Mm-hmm. By the way, babies eat for comfort. Sometimes you, I would stick my boob in my kid's mouth just because they were upset and it would quiet them down. That's a perfectly normal reason to eat food is for comfort. Mm-hmm. Again, we start to get into this moralization of it. And then it's like, well, that's not a good enough reason, but this one's okay, but that one's not and stuff. So as adults, we really, really lose that. In fact, so many people are sort of trying to uh, you know, police what their kids are eating or don't eat that. That's too much. I think kids really have the instinct. It's, it's in there. We were born knowing how to eat. We're very quickly taught to forget everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so of course, of course you had that because we all have a pretty messed up relationship with food at this point. And then trying to have a, healthy relationship not healthy food right healthy relationship with food mm-hmm. then it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of unprogramming it takes a lot of undoing and there's still a lot as a body relationship coach i say there's always still a lot of yuck still to feel because what i really teach as a body relationship coach is body neutrality you're allowed to not like something about your body without it meaning that your body is bad. I think that the body positive movement came out of the fact it sort of was birthed out of the fact that diet culture wasn't working for everyone clearly, right? You can't, it can't work for everyone. And so uh, they're, they're sort of, you know, this, this movement of I am big and I love it. um, And you should love yourself came out, which which I totally agree with. I would love for you to love yourself. But again, I don't know that you're always going to feel that way. I think that there are days that that feel easier than others. I always compare a relationship with your body to a relationship with a partner. And my husband hates this example because I use him, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, he's, he's fantastic. We have a great relationship. I find him sexy. He helps with the kids. He does drop off in the morning. Um, he cooks sometimes. My husband is horrible at waking up in the morning. He it's horrible. It's like, I have a third child and I hate it. And it's like pulling teeth to get him out of bed. And every time the kids have ever been late for school, it is 100% his fault and not mine. And definitely not even theirs because they're better at waking up than he is. He's really bad at it. And I hate it. And for a really long time, I tried to change him. I tried to turn him into a morning person. I would I would, I would set the alarm and then I'd push him and we just have fights. 
And the fights would spill into other parts of our day because inevitably at some point he'd be like, oh my God, I'm so behind. And I would, you know, very (laughs) noodly respond with, well, if you had gotten up when I told you to, you'd probably be on time right now. And so it just sort of, you know, poisoned a little bit of what we had. And at some point I realized he's never been a morning person. He hasn't been a morning person since we started dating in our, in our early twenties. Like he's never been a morning person. And I still don't like it, but now I don't have to like it to not try to change him for it. Right. I'm allowed to just, I don't like the fact that my husband's not a morning person because I could acknowledge, well, he's not a morning person. I don't like it, but I can't change it. I get to lean into the fact that he takes the night shift. Right. So for a long time, when I couldn't acknowledge that when, when I needed him to change and become a morning person, I would also take the night shift because I would be like, well, he's got to get up in the morning because I want him to get up in the morning. And he wouldn't get up in the morning. And then again, it was just yeah. was not acknowledging it for what it was. So um, I do not like that my husband, uh, you know, is is tough to get up in the morning, but I don't have to like that my husband uh, is is a nighttime person for us to have a great relationship. And I think that's really what we need to learn, right? Is that body positivity is great. And if you are able to love your curves or love your rolls or love your dimples or whatever, whatever you think is is keeping you away from being what society preaches you should look like, I think that's fantastic. And that's easier said than done on certain days, right? And it's, it's gonna be dependent on who you're around and how you're being treated. And again, you know, again, I think it's really important to acknowledge that as much as, as, as big as beautiful people in bigger bodies are marginalized. So I think it's really hard for me to tell some of my very, very large women that they should love themselves when they're being discriminated against regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, this idea, you don't have to, you don't have to love your body. You, you can't, you can, and if you find those moments, lean into them and revel because they don't last forever. But your job is not to love your body. That's, again, that's moralization of what self-care looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Your job is just to know that not loving your body doesn't mean your body isn't lovable, right? Not loving your body is just a feeling. It, you you don't have to like everything to love it, right? I don't I don't like my husband at six o'clock in the morning, but I love him, mm-hmm. right? I don't like. I also don't like him when he has a man cold. It's I really. Don't like <laughs> I like how you called it a man cold. But but I love him. I love my husband. I'm not going to kick him to the curb or or do anything to destroy what we've what we've created because I think he's great, even though. I if he's got a cold or if it's first thing in the morning, like I'm just better off being in a different part of the house, doing my own thing and tending to myself. And that's okay. Right. right? That's, that's, that's sort of uh, what I believe having a healthy relationship with your body looks like is it's the full gamut of feelings. You're allowed to hate things. You're allowed to be disgusted by things. You're allowed to be excited or inspired or, you know, bored, all of those things go into having a healthy relationship with your body. And none of that has to do, it can be feelings around how you look, but that's not the way you relate to your body isn't about how you look, right? Which is the big secret. Like body image is not, body image and people who struggle with body image, body image has nothing to do with the way you look whatsoever. 
So okay, that that kind of caught my attention. <laughs> hold 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 on. I was like getting into it. I was like, wait, okay. So I love the analogy uh -huh. because, because it totally paints a picture. Which I'm sorry for your husband, but it totally. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody listening is like, oh, okay, I can relate to that, especially yes. married, married who anyone who's married, right? Okay, let's go back to the body image. That's that's not connected. Is that what you, what did you mean by that? No. Well, I I would say what. You, I mean, you've already sort of said it. You said when you were your thinnest, mm -hmm. you would grab your stomach and think, oh, this shouldn't be here because I can, I can hold on to it. Um, the way we feel about our body has nothing to do with the way our body looks. We've all had that, that friend, or there's been that kid at school that you're like, oh my God, I would, I, I can't, she must, she must be so happy. She's perfect. Right. But when you start talking to her, she's worried about like this, that, or the other, the way the, we are taught again, diet culture is the moralization of self-care. So we are taught that if we're doing it properly, we'll look a certain way. Well, then we're also then taught to figure out how to, to judge how we're doing based on how we look, which means that regardless of your shape, size, color, any of it, um, you're, you're being taught to find what's wrong with you so that you can make it better because then again you get to be here come the air quotes again a good person so when you were your thinnest you didn't appreciate it I, re I remember thinking growing up I remember thinking my mom was heavy because she always said she was heavy I look back at pictures she was not heavy makes a lot of sense why I thought I was heavy because I also was not heavy um, but it has nothing to do with what you look like. It's how you're taught to relate to your body. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's believing that the way you look really represents who you are as a person, which it just doesn't, um, this so body is, image has nothing to do. With this is like mind blowing. And, <laughs> and like, honestly, I'm just like in awe. It's like, oh my God, all these like aha moments. So I <laughs> love that you're just sharing all of this. So now that we're coming to this realization, right? Like, mm -hmm. what do you recommend someone like myself? This brand new to this, I'm like in this awareness, aha moments right now. What do you think is like the next step? Uh, in in making peace with their body. Make, yeah, making peace with your body and just kind of like, is there any tools? Because like you mentioned, like there's, it's like, it's a, like, you're always gonna not love the way you look, right? It's just mm -hmm. about neutrality and accepting it. So mm -hmm. how do you get to those points of of having that? So it's a skill set, honestly. It's a skill set, just like, you know, I, I always say that uh, professional athletes, like a professional basketball player, they're great and they still have to go to practice in, mm -hmm. in, in the off season or even between games just to keep their skills up. Learning how to have a body neutral relationship is a skill set. We're taught again from a very young age not to have a body neutral relationship to critique ourselves and then figure out how we can be better. So it's a skill set. Um, there's different places you can start to learn it. I am one of them. So I have a group coaching community where we do this work together. Um, and there's women of all different sizes backgrounds, ethnicities, all of it, again, coming together. I've got women from all different countries in this space, which is mm -hmm. so mind blowing to me, but also like, duh, of course I have 
from all different countries in this space. Um, but you know, bigger women, smaller women, older women, I've got some teenagers, I've got some women pushing 70, all of it, you know, reminds us that we all feel the same way. Again, the way we feel about our body isn't a symptom of what our body looks like. Mm -hmm. The way we feel about our body is a symptom of this culture that we all live in and engage in. And so you can learn how to have a conversation with the critic um, that starts to pull you apart and tell you what's wrong with yourself. Mm -hmm. First, you have to identify what's the critic versus what's your own personal thoughts or what's potentially in your best interest. Again, diet culture is disguised in health as health and wellness. So it's a really fine line between get up off your ass and move today. You'll feel better. And you're so lazy. This is all your fault. So disgusting. It's such a, such a fine line. Um, from one being supportive and, and like a, a gentle nudge to the other, mm-hmm. to the other, which is a bully. Um, and, and the voice lives inside your head. So how do you learn to differentiate or talk back or know when to talk back or know when to take a break and not talk back? Um, and so that's what I do in my group coaching spaces is I teach you to identify where the guilt and the shame is stemming from so that you can learn when to respond to it and when not to, and how to best take care of yourself. Cause I think being healthy, again, diet culture tells us that being healthy looks a certain way, but if we acknowledge, ah, we can't tell how healthy a person is by the way they look. Uh, again, I was my, I was my least healthy when I was my thinnest. Right. right. Um, if we acknowledge that, then we say, well, then being healthy is knowing that your body can need different things at different times and being able to respond to those needs and give your body what it needs. And sometimes it's going to be really obvious. Sometimes it's going to be stuff it needs before. Like, oh, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, I, I got to go to bed early. Or, um, God, I'm feeling a little constipated. I could use some greens. When's the last time I had a vegetable, right? It can be stuff as simple as that. But sometimes it's something you've never needed before. Uh, or, or you haven't needed in a really long time or something that you need, but you kind of judge yourself for needing it. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to respond to the body's needs, really know what it needs versus what the world is telling you that it needs. And then being able to give it that and it's challenging, Um, but it's, but it's a skill set, and you get better and better at it. I love that you do that because yeah, we all might have the same feelings, but we all have different, I guess, connections to how wide we feel this way, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So I, I love that, that you help them distinct that because I think that's so powerful because once you know it, it's like, I feel like you get your power back. It's like you take control. You do, you do. Yeah, you know, I always, and, and I love that you said that because one of the things I always say in my community is that there is a difference between being unsafe and uncomfortable. Now, sometimes being uncomfortable can mean you're not safe, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes being uncomfortable are your, is your body's internal way of saying, get, get out. This is a dangerous mm-hmm. situation. But we have been taught that if we're uncomfortable in our body, we should fix it. I get air quotes, fix, fix it. Yeah. Um, and we're allowed to be uncomfortable without it meaning that our body is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when we learn to sit in that discomfort, because for everything that I teach, for how much I can acknowledge how deep diet culture goes, for the fact that 
I think there are no good foods and no bad foods. There are only good and bad relationships with foods. And I believe it's the moralization of self-care and all the things. I still look at my body and sometimes I wish it was smaller. I, again, that's the body neutral. I'm allowed to, damn, I don't like that. I don't like that as I'm aging, there's weight distribution in slightly different ways. Or mm-hmm. I also just, I also just, I also just have been trained to like thin. And as much as I don't need that on other people, we all have this bias where I'm like, but I, I think I'd like myself more if I were thin. Here's the thing is, and then I also think it's important to acknowledge that I, I am in a thin body, right? Like I have thin privilege. The world sees me as a thin person. Right. So all of this, all of this critical judgment is my own, but you're allowed to be sad. Like I said, you're allowed to be sad about your body. I'm allowed to go. I never appreciated my body when I was 20. If I could go back, I would, but you know what? I want to make sure I'm 43 now. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that when I'm 70, I don't look back. I'm like, I never appreciated my body in my forties. I'm allowed to mm-hmm. be sad that my body isn't still a 20 year old body. And also it's pretty cool. I have a pretty cool body, right? Both of those things. We have these sort of like conflicting truths that live right side by side by each other. So, um, so I think you're allowed to, the way I see it, if, if, if with everything I teach, I still kind of wish that I could magically snap my fingers and look a little different, then I get to know, wow, that's really not about me, right? That's not about how I look. If, if I'm feeling this way, again, in a socially acceptable body, with access to all of the, the, the foods that, that we moralize people for. I, I, I live close to several, you know, organic grocery stores and all this sort of stuff. I have easy access and, 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 and I have the ability to pay for the food. I know so many people can't get close to food or can't feed them, all of that stuff. If this is how I feel like this, then, then I'm allowed to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to mean that something's wrong with my body. I'm allowed to be uncomfortable and being uncomfortable is, is uncomfortable. So, <laughs> um, so, so, you know, it doesn't always feel good, but it's work. It's perpetual work. Yeah. That, yeah. You're so right. Like, I mean, yeah. In my skinniest years, I still was, you know, not confident. I still wasn't, you know, loving how I looked so it is with now I'm I'm 37 and I was like, all right, I'm tired of feeling this way, you know? So mm-hmm. I love that you're saying that, you know, you're, it's okay to feel this way. Like, it's yeah, a- I would say that. Absolutely. It's definitely okay to feel this way. I don't want you to, I get to look at you and go, oh, she's stunning. How could she possibly feel this way? But then of course I'm like, I feel this way and people think I look, it has nothing to do with how we look, right? <laughs> Well, maybe this is going to go back to our previous conversation. So just bear with me that I'm trying to like digest this. So would you say like the way we feel about like those moments where like, oh, I wish I looked this way. Do you feel like we're just comparing ourselves to the ideal? um, I do actually. It's so funny because so in, in my community, I talk about, we talk about what does, what does our bias say? Uh, because again, we'll look at people and we'll be like, she feels, she must be, look, she's stunning. She must be perfect. You know, she, I right. bet she feels great. She has and of no course, problems at all. Yeah. And of course she does. And I always sort of describe, I say, well, what do you imagine that perfect air quote, perfect 
you know, perfect specimen, if you will, looks like. And I always describe her. It's so funny because I have a very uh, visual, uh, my brain works very visually and I can see everything about this woman, but her face is just blank, which, which I actually think says that she, you know, it's like, it says something, but she's, she's in her little yoga outfit and she's drinking a green drink and her hair is pulled back and she just finished a class, but she's not sweating. And she's a full-time mom and she's taking the kids to school, but she doesn't get stuck in traffic, but she doesn't need a nanny, but she's also on her way to this big meeting, but she doesn't have to worry about it because her clothes will just be there when she changes and she doesn't fart and she never gets food in her teeth (laughs) and all of this stuff. That's just like, it doesn't exist. Right. Again, it doesn't actually exist. Which is why we see, again, so many stunning, well, I mean, I think all bodies are stunning, but we see so many societally acceptab- mm-hmm. acceptable or, or culturally accepted as stunning women still feeling, well, I should probably eat better or I don't drink enough water or I should work out more, right? All of this because they're taught to find their flaws. So it's, um, so yeah, I think to that point, it's, 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 it's like chasing the, you know, what's it like the carrot on the stick that yeah. you can never really get to. Um, and so that's why we all feel bad, right? There's, you can't catch it. You're on a treadmill that doesn't, you never get to go to where you're actually trying to go. So uh, yeah, that answer your question. Yeah, no, totally. Like, yeah, it is. It's because it's there. So it's hard to avoid it. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid it. So that's kind of like how I understood it. It's like, it's hard to avoid it, but it's getting to a point of just accepting and having that neutrality over your body. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it. we're not healing. We're not healing our relationship to our body into a bubble where all bodies are accepted. We're healing our body into diet culture, which is again, still where people in bigger bodies are scrutinized and judged. Mm-hmm. Um, people in bigger bodies don't have the same health care or access to care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you, if you just look at the world, the world is designed for thin people. You go into a doctor's office. It's got all the chairs with the arms on the side. Wh- what if your person who doesn't fit into that chair, mm-hmm. what about that office is, is saying you're welcome here. And we know how to treat people like you. Right. So, um, yeah, but I, I know people who can't ride rides at amusement parks because they're just not designed for bodies that big. So many ways that our culture is telling people that their body is wrong, is wrong, yeah, is wrong. Um, and so, yeah, I think to just know that having those feelings is a symptom of the culture, right? And then it makes a lot more sense. There's a lot more room for you to feel sad without it meaning something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just realizing there's nothing wrong with you because yeah. we all look different. We all have different body types and it's easier said than done, of course. Yes, absolutely. You know, but that's what I would say. That's where I say, I talk about, and I kind of mentioned it already. I talk about, we, we all have conflicting truths, right? And so mm-hmm. there's a difference between something being the truth with a capital T and mm-hmm. your truth. So your truth can be, oh, I, I look really, really gross today. Mm-hmm. And the truth can be, you look fine. And somebody else's truth can be, are you kidding? That's the best I've ever seen you. We don't really, we don't really know. The truth is that no matter what you look like, you are fine. Your truth is that you look really, really gross today. And my truth might be, I think she looks fantastic. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they get to all sit here and we live in a culture where we're sort of taught, well, you need to get other people into like, if, if they don't agree with your truth, 
you got to convince them because otherwise you're wrong and you don't want to be wrong. But the truth is, is the, the truth about truth is that we're allowed to sit there having very different experiences of, of ourselves. Right. I mean, even if, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go so far as to say when this, when this recording is over, uh, if we both went to our partners afterwards and the partners were like, how, how'd it go? We, I'm, I'm hoping we'd both say it went really well, but we would have had two very different experiences. Yeah. <laughs> you would have had the experience of the person interviewing and I would have had the experience of the interviewee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I probably, there's definitely some moments that I'd look back and be like, oh my God, I felt so embarrassed when I said this, or I stumbled on this word. You might not know that you don't get to, you don't get right, to know right, that, right, right, right. Yeah. And vice versa. And I don't need to convince you that the moments that I feel self-conscious about happened, they did. You don't have to experience my experience for it to be my, for it to be my experience, which I know sounds so simple, but it's not that simple when it comes to our body. We're again, we're taught that if I don't like my body, I got to I got to fix it so that you can, or or I got to show you what, what's wrong with it so that you can see what I see so that we can fix it together. Or it's, it's this, it's this, it's this, uh, idea that we, that we all have to be sort of on the same page. Again, this, this commute, this communal idea of what healthy air quotes, healthy looks like and self-care looks like. Um, and so, yeah, I think, So I guess my question is, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, we're talking about body neutrality, but, and and it's okay to have those moments where you just don't like how your body looks and so forth. But how do you get to the point where you just like, you accept that? I actually think that the trick is you don't have to accept that. You're allowed to be sad about it. Um, And again, certain days it's easy to accept certain days, you know, uh, certain days we feel much more connected to our value that has nothing to do with our body. And so certain days, if you're like, oh, I don't really like my hair today, but it doesn't really matter. Cause I feel fierce. Right. But other days it matters. Uh, and that's okay. Right. Again, it mattering can be your truth without it being the truth. And so I don't, you know, certain days, <clears throat> Certain days, it's really, really easy to to not like everything about myself, and other days, not liking something about myself is harder. I guess, I guess where I'm trying, and I totally get where you're coming from. Maybe it's just me, and it's still trying to digest this. But I guess where do you get to the point where it doesn't consume you? Well, I think that when that's okay. I understand that question. Um, I think that when you realize you can be uncomfortable and still be okay, it stops consuming you because I think mm. the, it consuming you is you trying to fix the discomfort, mm. right. And to make the discomfort go away. And when you know, Oh, I can be uncomfortable and perfectly safe. You're allowed to feel self-conscious eating something or feel a little bit ashamed that you didn't go to the gym that morning or whatever, and know that feeling that way is just a feeling and all feelings, even the good ones pass eventually. So you don't, you no longer have to resolve the feeling. You just get to sit in it. And that's when it stops consuming you. I love that. Okay. That makes so much sense. Oh my (laughs) God. I loved our conversation. I had so many aha moments. You educated me so much on the diet culture and you're so right. Like everything you just said, I was like, yes, yes, that's me. Oh, well, I'm 
this was a lovely conversation. I could talk about this all day. This is, this is, I'm just a thrill at parties. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, good. That's the diet culture lady again. Yeah. I'm, like she's here. I love it. So thank you so much for all your knowledge and just answering my questions, even though like I felt like it was a little bit repetitive, but I was like trying to digest it in my mind of so like- Let's just take a moment. First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me in this space. And then let's just take a moment to say uh, what I'm saying is very different than wow. what a, what you're get, what most people are saying, right? So mm -hmm. the I will say this: the the potential I'm hearing potentially a little bit of shame around the questions you asked. I would say, my dear, that shame is your truth. My truth is, I thought these were great questions, right? And I don't right. need to, I don't need to convince you that they were great mm -hmm. questions and you don't need to convince me that they were bad questions. We just get to sit here and again, go, wow, we had very different experiences. You felt like you were being redundant and mm -hmm. I thought, wow, how thorough, right? And yeah. one wasn't right and one wasn't wrong. So let's just sort of make a space for that together that we get to have two very different. I love that. Thank you for, for doing that. Yes. You're so right. Yes. And I love, that was like a perfect example right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm professional or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited for everyone to listen to this because I know I'm, I'm kind of like mind blown and I know I'm going to be thinking about this conversation all day today because I've just learned so much. So I appreciate oh. you. Well, thank you. This was really, really fun. Um, thank you so much for having me.